On September 19, 1984, two indigenous girls from South Dakota were kidnapped as they were hitchhiking along a highway in Wyoming. While one of the girls survived, 12-year-old Sharon Bald Eagle has never been seen or heard from again. This is a story of Sharon Bald Eagle. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. Okay, my This Is Shiashi is starting to sound a little sad. I gotta find a way to make it a little more cheery. Mine sounds like a telemarketer, I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> I think you have yours down. Mine sounds very robotic. This is Shiashi. <laughs> it just sounds weird. I don't know. Anyways, um, today's episode is going to be a little bit confusing because it confused me when I was doing it. So um, if you guys are all right with it, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. Go for it. So I just want to preface this with the fact that I went down a giant rabbit hole on this case because I found it while I was researching another case. We talked about in our last episode how one article can lead you to another, can lead you to a link, can lead you to five more, and then you're on YouTube and TikTok. I mean, I was deep in it. So just bear with me because it's going to be, it might be a little confusing, but I will do my best to break this down for you guys. The case I'm covering today takes place in the 1980s, and it starts with the arrest of Royal Russell Long, a convicted kidnapper and suspected serial killer and serial rapist. Now, I've been a true crime fan for a long time, but this is one person that I have never, ever heard of prior to doing the research on this case. Have you guys heard this name before? Mm, I haven't, no. No, I haven't either. Did this happen in California? I did read an article where they had this guy was like a same thing, a rapist, serial killer, and they thought that he was tied to two missing indigenous women before. No, but find out the name of that one so we can cover it. In 1981, Royal Russell Long was living in Wyoming, where he was working as a carny and a part-time long-haul truck driver at local fairs and carnivals. As you could guess, given his line of work, he has been a suspect in numerous disappearances and murders of young women and girls across many states, including Wyoming, Oklahoma, Colorado, and Missouri. Now, I did read in Discovery Magazine an article called Serial Killers Have Rapidly Declined Since the 1980s, which said that nearly 770 serial killers operated in the U.S. throughout the 1980s, which is insane. And I was thinking, if that's the case, I can only name a handful, so I'm pretty sure not all of those 770 serial killers were caught. We haven't heard the names of 770 serial killers just in the 1980s alone. Well, most of them probably aren't actually, like, identified. It's just, like, suspected based off of similarities, I bet. Yeah, that makes sense. So in 1984, a 49-year-old Royal Russell Long who for the sake of this episode, I will just refer to as Long, was apprehended in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in connection with the kidnapping of two young indigenous girls just a week prior. One of these girls survived the kidnapping. She was 15 years old at the time, and for obvious reasons, her name wasn't shared very much with the public. So in keeping with that, I will just call her Jane Doe. The other indigenous girl was a 12-year-old Sharon Bald Eagle. The details of their kidnapping were described during a 1985 preliminary hearing where Long was charged with kidnapping and murder charges. A then 16-year-old Jane Doe testified that on September 19, 1984, Long offered a ride to her and Sharon as they hitchhiked on a Wyoming highway. So before we get too down in the weeds about why these young girls were hitchhiking, I did read that they were running away to visit friends in Idaho. 
Now, what they were running away from, I don't really know, and it wasn't really ever explained. But my takeaway from the research was that they were just taking off to go visit friends. Just kind of like hitchhiking, right? Yeah. Because it was kind of common in the 80s. I did read an article from AP News on the Go that shared a quote from Ronald Reagan where he stated that during the late 1970s and 1980s, more than one million children per year went missing from their homes and neighborhoods. And although it wasn't a new phenomenon, the 1980s marked the first time the problem of child abductions was thrust into the national spotlight. And as a result, the phrase stranger danger entered the national vocabulary. It's kind of crazy to think about how young these girls were, though, and that they were hitchhiking by themselves. Yeah, but it was very common to do that back then. Like, it was, everybody did it. Yeah, but it's still just crazy, though, to think about, like, a 14-year-old, you know? like You know, I did read that the decline of serial killers came from an uprise in security systems and helicopter parents. So, you know, parents were essentially starting to say, I ain't letting my kid hitchhike. But, you know, I mean, if you think about it, in culture back then, you know, children had to grow up a lot quicker. People were getting married at 14. Well, we've mentioned this before and other podcasts have talked about it. So I'm sure this isn't anything new. But I think the reason why it wasn't such a big deal back then was because news didn't travel as fast as it does today. You know, with Facebook and news apps, we get updates by the minute. So we know all the bad stuff that's going on. But in the 1980s, you didn't hear about it right away. It's probably because the only way you would know about it is if you watched the news, if it was reported on the news, and then word of mouth. Because yeah, there was no social media. Exactly. But I thought that was interesting that the decline was largely due to the fact that parents were becoming more aware of the dangers that were out there and being more cognizant of where their kids are. So yeah. Okay, so back to the story. So 12-year-old Sharon Bald Eagle was born on June 26, 1972, and was living in Eagle Butte, South Dakota at the time of her disappearance. Her father, Taylor Bald Eagle, described her in many sources as the oldest of four siblings. He said she was a daddy's girl who danced at tribal dances and was learning how to cook when she took off with her friend. Again, Nothing I read indicated they were running away from anything in particular, but that they were going to see friends in Idaho. On the day that Jane Doe and Sharon were picked up by Long, it was testified in court that he offered to get the girls some food and then take them to his house in Evansville, Wyoming, so they could clean up and eat. Jane Doe shared that after feeding them, he offered them $100 to have sex with him. When she told him they were not that kind of girls, he pulled a gun on them. It was then that Long bound the two girls with coat hangers and duct tape and proceeded to rape the older of the two girls. At some point during the time they were there, Long fell asleep and Jane Doe used the opportunity to escape, seeking help from a neighbor who called the local authorities. Sadly, she testified that while she waited for police to arrive, she heard Long's pickup truck start up and drive away. By the time the police did arrive, Long and Sharon were both gone. And she was the younger one? Yes, she was a 12-year-old. Oh my goodness. According to the Oil City News, on January 23, 1985, Long was sentenced to two life terms at the Wyoming State Penitentiary after taking a plea deal of two counts of kidnapping for the purpose of taking indecent liberties with a minor and one count of aggravated assault. His original charges of two counts of kidnapping for the purpose of rape, one count of rape, one count of attempted rape, one count of kidnapping for the purpose of taking a hostage, and one count of assault were dropped for this plea deal. An article from the Casper Star Tribune stated on January 24, 1985, Long's attorney told the court that they sincerely believed that Sharon was alive and well. You see, Long had tried to claim through his lawyer 
that he pulled a gun on the girls when the 15-year-old Jane Doe attempted to blackmail him after agreeing to consensual sex, which she's 15. Nothing there was consensual. After Jane Doe escaped, Long had claimed that he arranged for Sharon to go with another truck driver who was on his way to Dallas, Texas. Long had a history of sexual violence towards young women. He was accused of molesting his daughter, who had come forward to say she had witnessed him attempting to lure young girls with puppies and toys. She also claimed he told her that no female over the age of 13 would ever sexually satisfy him. Why would he tell his daughter that? Well, we're not necessarily dealing with a model citizen here. So where's the mom at during all this? Is there a mom around? If there was a mom around, I didn't find any articles that mentioned her. So if you remember early on when I mentioned that Long was a, was a suspected serial killer, this was because after he began serving two life sentences in state prison for the kidnappings of Jane Doe and Sharon, an older investigation that was looking into the 1981 disappearance of two 13-year-old girls from Oklahoma City began to focus on him as a possible suspect. These two girls, Cinda Pallett and Charlotte Kinsey, vanished after going to the Oklahoma State Fair on September 26, 1981. I feel like I remember this one. Now, mind you, Cinda Pallett and Charlotte Kinsey are still missing to this day. However, at the time, Long was charged after it was alleged that he lured them away from the fair with the promise of a $5 per hour job unloading stuffed animals. A witness even came forward to say they had seen the girls with a man matching his description on the same day they disappeared. Now, the hearing for these two girls again occurred while he was already serving time for Jane Doe and Sharon. And the hearing ended with the judge ruling that the state did not have enough evidence to convict. So they're still missing. Yes, they are still missing. And as far as my research goes, he never admitted to kidnapping them. And this part always frustrates me because he was already serving two life sentences. So just say what happened. Say where they are. Tell us where Sharon is. But, you know, it's trying to reason with a serial killer and there just really isn't a point to. Now, Long did die of a heart attack in November 1993 while in state prison. A short time before he died, Sharon's father, Taylor Bald Eagle, attempted to visit him. Taylor said that Long came to the window in the visitor's room, peeked out at him, and then turned around and walked away. Because he's a coward. Now, Long heavily maintained his innocence, saying he didn't know Jane Doe and Sharon were 15 and 12, stating that they told him they were 18 and 19 and were trying to blackmail him. He also said that after he basically handed Sharon off to another truck driver, that he started searching for her too to clear his name because he, quote, never hurt them. It just came across as a really gross attempt to sound like an innocent person. Now, there was somewhat of a renewed interest in Sharon's case back in January 2020. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but an online media outlet covering Fremont County, Wyoming, published an article from an anonymous source that stated that the neighboring Sweetwater County Sheriff's Office had found the remains of a teenage Native American girl near a power plant, and her bones had been there somewhere between 20 and 30 years. The article did not list the source, but quoted the host of the Dead and Gone in Wyoming podcast, who said that there was a remote possibility these remains might be Sharon's. Now, as you could guess, after the article was published online, many people shared the story by email, through text, and posted the story on local interest groups via social media. It was really big news. Two days after this was covered on the Dead and Gone in Wyoming podcast, the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Office had to release a statement saying that the podcast and the online media outlet source was wrong 
stating, quote, it appears that the remains are that of a younger female of either European or Native American descent and are more likely than not prehistoric in nature. Now, there was a lot of controversy around this. Um, there was backtracking, but at the heart of it, Sharon's father, Taylor, was really upset and understandably so. He had shared with the Rapid City Journal that he wanted people to stop using electronic communications to let out false rumors and false hopes. He was being bombarded with well-meaning people sending their condolences, which only deepened the wound no matter their intentions. So people had seen that it was potentially her body and they were reaching out. Yeah, and it wasn't her. I kept reading about how upset her father was, and one article even shared that the podcast host who covered this didn't actually speak to Taylor directly before making this information public and the information wasn't verified. It's just, we all want to help these families have closure and we want to see justice, but we can't do it at the expense of trying to be the first one to break the case. There are real people involved in these cases and these people are sad and angry and losing hope. Sharon Baldigal will be 51 years old this year. There were possible sightings of her in Wisconsin and Colorado in the years following her disappearance. However, she has never been found and foul play is suspected in her case. In addition to Cinda Pallet, Charlotte Kinsey, and Sharon Bald Eagle, Long is also a possible suspect in the disappearances of Deborah Meyer and Carlene Brown, both of whom vanished from Wyoming in 1974. I just keep thinking of the number of people that were impacted by this man's actions. And now that he's dead, how many families aren't going to get the answers and closure that they need? I mean, he maintained until he died that he didn't hurt Sharon and passed her off to another truck driver. Then why wouldn't you say who the truck driver was, you know, if that was the case? The FBI tried to look for this alleged truck driver and came up with nothing. I did read a report how how Sharon had an uncle that lived in Texas and the truck driver was supposed to take her to her uncle's house. But the uncle was like, no, she never showed up here. So I don't know. It's probably a safe bet to assume that he's lying. So what's crazy is I was listening to a podcast about the Gilgo Beach murder. Um, and they were sharing off some statistics about serial killers and saying that usually serial killer tendencies start in the early 20s of a person's life based off of like historical data that they have on serial killers that have been convicted. And they said that usually if the first time they're caught is in like their late thirties or later in life, that it's usually not their first killing. Usually they've done stuff and changed their, their tactics a little bit before then and just haven't been caught yet or it hasn't been, you know, tracked back to that person yet. It was really concerning, and it was actually a podcast done by um, retired police officers. So it was like people who actually like are doing the work of like looking into these people. So it seems really valid, and that's really scary too. Aren't there cases where they talk about uh, traumatic head injuries as a kid or something like that? You know, like it affects the way your brain grows as you get older. The frontal lobe isn't fully developed where you have that conscientious thought of like, is this right or is this wrong? How will I feel if I do this or commit this act? You know what I'm saying? There's the, yeah. the lack of the develop, the full development of the frontal lobe that controls your conscience and, and your feelings and your emotions. And so sometimes serial killers just don't, don't have that. They have no emotion when they have, a, when they commit a crime, when they kill someone. 
Maggie, did that podcast ever talk about head trauma as a child and how that plays into people committing violent acts as adults? No, I didn't see anything or hear anything about that. I think a lot of like the major uh, serial killers that I've learned about or read about and heard about, they have had some kind of head trauma, mean, ruthless, and showed no emotion. I mean, it, I guess it, it does make sense. I mean, if you think about like football players who have CTEs and people who have done like really bad things. And then you're left with families trying to pick up the broken pieces and just waiting every day for some kind of answer and to get some kind of closure. Taylor Bald Eagle has been very vocal about Sharon's disappearance and how much he misses her. He's talked about missing out on time with his other kids because he was on the road traveling wherever he could to find her. He's just experienced a lot of loss in his lifetime from being a Korean War vet, a cancer survivor, and even losing what few photos he had of Sharon and her siblings when his home was destroyed by a tornado years ago. He also said he's aware of the MMIW movement's ability to raise awareness about new and old cases like Sharon's. He said, quote, I went looking my own self for Sharon when there was no MMIW movement and Amber Alert system. He's spoken with several media outlets trying to raise awareness about his daughter. He still believes they'll be reunited someday. Like the Cherokee, there is no goodbye in Lakota since goodbye is final. Taylor says we say doksha, which means later. We'll always meet later again, no matter what. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.